Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo. It's been a marvellous week of Supercoach here, JB. It's great to have you on. How are you, champion? Yeah, I'm very, very stressed out, Chizo. I, yeah, I don't even know what to say at the moment. I think when we get into the teams, it'll all speak for itself. But I have my trade set, and actually I have my trade set for the next 17 weeks, but... This week has just thrown me throw me out of whack, and I don't I don't know what to do at the moment. Now, as you know, I do have a PhD in uh, Supercoach. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how that makes you feel, JB. I, I can sense a little bit of stress in your voice. I feel like picking a fight with a, a small child because I know I win. <laughs> I'm not even sure you win. I've seen you fight before. I would definitely lose. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> Uh, well, we might as well jump straight into it here, Chami, because as you uh, alluded to as the beginning of the podcast, there are a few surprising omissions that we should go through this week, mate. Uh, Collingwood and Western Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium Friday night. On the Collingwood side of things, we have Ben Reid, Josh Dacos, and Levi Greenwood, interesting, uh, coming in out for Alex Vasolo, who's out uh, with that ankle injury. Uh, Daniel Wells, who's been managed after a couple games back in the AFL, and Sam Murray omitted JB. Uh, on the dog side of things, Josh Shackey, Tory Dixon, Rourke Smith coming in with Lucas Webb, Joshy Dunkley, and Mitch Wallace out. Uh, Josh Shackey getting his first game for the dogs, which is good to see, but the big news here is that Sam Murray's out, JB. This is something we didn't expect. Yeah, I don't care about Shaki, to be honest. Sam Murray being omitted is... It's not only unexpected, but it is awful timing. As um, as we get further down the games list, we'll, we'll speak more of why it's the, possibly the worst timing of the season for him to cop a rest. But um, I think it's definitely interesting to note Levi Greenwood coming in um, I think Collingwood said earlier in the week that they were going to look at doing something negating towards McRae due to his hot form. So those who own him can maybe expect a 120 this week instead of the usual 180. But uh, it, it is known that Levi is a very good tagger. So I'm interested to see what sort of effect it will have. Because I don't think McRae's really... He's had attention this season, but not someone that is, has sole purpose in the team is to just shut down you and make sure you get zero possession. So... I think it'll be an interesting battle, but Sam Murray, uh, very painful omission, and we'll talk about what to do later on, but it's painful, Chizo. It's painful. It, does Jack McRae have to look at Tom Mitchell and, uh, you know, just with a little bit of uh, a grimace or a little bit of anger, because maybe this is Bucks learning from his past mistakes, and when you've got someone like a, a Jack McRae coming up against you, maybe they've learnt that they just can't let them run wild because they are just going to tear you apart and that's why they've brought in Levi Greenwood here, JB. Yeah, well, I think so. Uh, uh, people consider McCray to be a little bit more attacking, a little bit more damaging than, than Tom Mitchell, so maybe Bucks just doesn't rate Tom Mitchell that highly uh, and would prefer Pendlebury or someone like that to go head-to-head with him and, and damage him on the other side, but they get burnt by every midfielder. It's it's the easiest vice captaincy decision to make when your one of your star midfielders is coming up against Collingwood. So um, it's well I, for Collingwood's sake, I think it's good that they're bringing in a negator, but it could be bad for McRae, or it, we could learn that McRae's untaggable, and if you don't have him in your team, you should be very scared. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll jump into the next game: the Tigers versus the Saints. Take us through that, champ. 
Yes, so Jack Higgins comes in as well as Callum Moore and Connor Menadju. Sam Lloyd, Jacob Townsend omitted with Castagna injured on that one. And the St. Kilda have Logan Austin, Jake Carlisle, Brandon White, Paddy McCartan, and Dan McKenzie all coming in for Caulfield, Rowan Marshall, Mav Weller, Armitage, and Nathan Brown. So more interesting news on this one. It is good to see Higgins pop back in after the, the late withdrawal last week. But Caulfield coming out managed on this one. For those who have Murray and Caulfield, they're now facing a lot of conjecture as to what they do with their trades because it's now looking likely that you, you have to move a defender out. And if it wasn't in your plans like it wasn't in mine, and we'll discuss more later on with the more defensive omissions, there's not a whole lot you can really do because there's no defender bubble boys this week. And it's difficult, Chizo. What, what are your thoughts on this one immediately? Well, it's definitely uh, what you touched on just before we started the podcast, that potentially people are going to miss out on Ed Phillips, which, you know, we've been banging on for a fortnight that he's going to be a, a fantastic downgrade option, particularly in our midfield for the likes of, you know, a Brayshaw and, and, and Holman and these guys that, that were seemingly topping out. We could see a lot of coaches missing out on uh, picking up, you know, that cash generation and having to probably double up in the in the back line if they've got that war chest just because... As you say, there's no rookie options that we can kind of go down unless we go through a, a Bailey Rice a week early. Um, potentially could be the only option you could you, you could choose. Uh, obviously, he's holding his spot this week. But, yeah, there's definitely going to be a, a, a very interesting uh, a weekend of Supercoach if we all get through unscathed here, JB. So uh, we'll jump into the next game, Brisbane Lions and the Swans. Brisbane, after their big win, has no change. My boy, Hugh McCluggage, just absolutely dominated. Uh, JB, just thought I'd throw that in there for the draft uh, draft league. Uh, versus the Swans, we've got uh, Harry Marsh and Riley Stoddard coming in. Callum Mills and Gary Rowan out. Mills is uh, trying to snap his foot off, JB. There's an interesting story behind that uh, that you were telling me before. I, I'm surprised that this went over my head and I hadn't heard about it all day. Yeah, so the official report was that uh, Dugowie and Petrarca were racing their dogs down the <laughs> park. And Callum Mills obviously <laughs> likes jogging down at that, that specific part and, and tripped over them, breaking his foot. So yet another dog incident. It seems to be those boys involved as per usual. Um, but no, Callum Mills walking home from uh, walking back to Sydney from a cafe in Sydney, tripped over and broke his foot. So the coordination of these AFL players, these star athletes, is a little confusing to me as to how you break your foot tripping over. And reportedly out for the season, Chizo. So what would you have to do to your foot to miss the rest of the season from now? Basically nearly snap it off, I think. there's. Uh, <laughs> he's obviously, um, in snapping whatever bone he's done, he's obviously done some ligament damage to it as well, which makes, that complicates uh, foot injuries. Generally, if it's just like a, a metatarsal fracture, it's a six, eight-week injury and you're, you're you're back and running pretty soon. So it has to be some sort of ligament involved because um, when that happens, quite often you dislocate the bones in your in your foot as well. And so the recovery time is uh, significantly longer. And just see a lot of the guys that are running around with um, injuries to the feet. You're looking at Tom McGon- McDonald uh, flaring up again. We've got Jack Viney who missed nine months and things like that. So uh, it is troubling to see someone of uh, his potential and his age having an injury that's already ruling him out for the year. So uh, hopefully he can get on top of it and it doesn't hinder his future years, JB. 
Yeah, and for people that have or are thinking of Jake Lloyd, what do you think this does for his potential? I mean, Callum Mills was looked at as a good deliverer of halfback at times. With him out of the picture, does that hurt Lloyd with him potentially getting more attention? Or does it help Lloyd with the potential of him getting any of Callum Mills' possessions? Because with back-to-back huge scores of 130-plus and obviously the big 170-plus last week, he is someone that a lot of people are targeting this week. I don't think it's going to influence Jake Lloyd in the fact that he's going to um, either you know pick up a lot more ball or drop off. That uh, spot by Callum Mills is going to be picked up by someone like a Zach Jones or a Jared McVeigh who are quite easily going to step into the same role. Callum Mills plays a lot more close checking than Jake Lloyd does. Jake Lloyd's an uncontested beast just uh, streaming out of the back line. I think his form and his importance to their rebound in the Sydney Swans is going to see him continue the same role. I don't think he's going to have a role change because Callum Mills is out. It's more likely that we'll see someone take over Callum Mills's role, like a Zach Jones, that is able to play a little bit more close checking, a little bit more contested, um, whereas they'll utilise Jake Lloyd as he has been uncontested-like up and down on the flank. So I'm not expecting too much of a a change in Jake Lloyd's role, and I'd have no problem looking at him as an upgrade option. I should probably mention, we've talked about McRae and Lloyd so far this week, uh, on this week's podcast, JB. Uh, I got inboxed a stat on uh, Twitter that uh, the two weeks that I mentioned uh, Jack McRae... um, and the uh, the Toby McLean trade of which one I would pick, and I'd pick Toby McLean, uh, <laughs> Jack McVeigh went 180. And then we were looking at a uh, defensive upgrade, and I was picking between Lloyd and Yo, and I picked Yo, and then Lloyd went 180. So I, I think we need to have like a little segment at the end of the podcast on who I would trade up or trade down to, and uh, basically go the other option to me, JB, <laughs> is the, what we've learned so far this year in the uh, 2018 Supercoach season. In your defence... The other two players that you chose against um, were, well, sorry, the players that you chose for have been very successful as well. So I think there's a situation of people asking you about too many win wins, Chizo. <laughs> Look, I like that you have my back, mate. That's why I keep you on the podcast and we haven't booted you yet. Uh, definitely not to do with your content that you put All through. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll let you run through the Cats and the, uh, the Blues game here, champion. A few outs on either side. Yes, so Asava comes in with Reese Stanley, Jermaine Jones, Brandon Parfit, and out goes Parsons, Zach Smith, and George Hall and Smith, and Jackson Thurlow, all through omission. Jacob Wiedering comes in for Carlton, as well as David Cunningham, Ed Curnow back from that suspension, and Charlie back from the mysterious injury that he copped. Mark Murphy goes out injured, um, and then Nat, Nick Graham, sorry, Jared Garlett and Aaron Mullet all get omitted. And I'm stumbling through these names, and I'm actually not sure why, because they're very easily <laughs> pronounceable names. But um, Mike Murphy injured uh, probably only affects uh, those looking at draft, but will it have any sort of effect on Patrick Cripps? I know people like to like to run with Mark Murphy when he's in form, but with no Mark Murphy there, Cripps should dominate unless there's a tagger. I know Scott Selwood isn't in this game, so uh, Crips owner's probably happy that Scott isn't in. Well, I, th- I think what you need to um, think about in this aspect is how many games that Mark Murphy missed and how um, Paddy Cripps went. Like he, he didn't really have that much of an impact on his scoring without Mark Murphy. Potentially, Mark Murphy being in the side takes a little bit of heat off him and gives him another strong body in the centre to uh, give him a few more points, but he's still going to be fine. They don't have another go-to without Scott Selwood 
at the Cats. He's not going to be tagged. He's going to get a. Uh, he's, it's going to struggle for him to take on the likes of the midfield that the Cats have. But you know, he's a young gun. He's just going to do what he does. Averaging 120 for the year, which is what we all hoped for when we were picking him at the start of the year. And there's been a little a bit of a, a role reversal here, JB. In, in the first probably uh, four or five rounds, everyone was happy if they started Canelio over Cripps. And now it's kind of flipping around the other way as the Giants' draw is getting harder. Canelio's falling away and Cripps uh, is just keeping on going. The only worry is whether he's going to fall away towards the end of the year. But um, I've had no dramas on him. The one that I do want to talk about in this game here, JB... Obviously, with the high break even and the uh, the 40-odd score last week, Tim Kelly has been traded out of a lot of teams before um, even the teams dropped this week. I think with all the carnage in the back line and the fact that the, uh, the Cats uh, play at home makes me think that Tim Kelly is a, a solid option to hold this week. Yes, he might drop you 10K, but he's also had some really good scoring um, at home this year. So, you know, an 80 to 90, even 100 from him would not be unexpected. And, you know, you're not really going to lose that much cash. So trading out a Kelly over one of these backline guys, you're just not going to have the points on field for picking up another rookie if you traded the say Tim Kelly to an Ed Phillips you're probably not you're probably going to lose um, points out doing that so um, there's probably the suggestion from me summing all that up that it's probably better to hold him this week at points wise and try and fix one of those defensive options that are causing us a headache there JB yeah and if you look at his upcoming draw I mean he's got Carlton at GMB seven four twelve nine stadium this week <laughs> and uh, they, they play at the Cattery quite a bit in the next month so it only takes a couple of decent weeks for that, that low score to get out of his break even uh, and his price price ups and downs so when that happens he his break even was very small I think it was around 50 odd when he did score that so if he puts together another couple, couple of 90 plus scores it'll go back down to that 50 odd and he'll start making money again so I'm not too concerned about Kelly. He's definitely, if he's your highest priority for trading out, then I want your team. Yep, absolutely agree. All right, we'll jump into the uh, Giants and the Dons game here, mate. Spotless Stadium, Saturday night. Josh Kelly is finally in, JB. Yoo-hoo! And we've got John O'Patton. <laughs> John O'Patton and Matt Buntine coming in. Lachlan Keith omitted. What a surprise, JB, for all those people that traded him in thinking he was going to play 45 games in a row. Jeremy Finlayson <laughs> omitted. Disappointing. Isaac Cumming omitted. Disappointing here, <laughs> JB. Also another disappointing omission on the rookie side of things. Dylan Clark goes out after a solitary game. And Andy McGrath returns from injury. Talk us through this one, mate. There's obviously a lot of changes, not many of them for the good. Well, we'll start with the good, and Josh Kelly finally comes back in. Offers those who traded out or didn't start with a huge point of difference. He's got a highish break even. Will drop in the next couple of weeks. Perfect for his buy. If he if he comes out with a couple of decent scores, then it could be ripe for the picking. And finalizing your midfield there would be would be great with the, the Josh Kelly. Only in 6% of teams, I think he's down to. Those who kept him, those 6% like me, just praising the skies at the moment. I can't believe a one- to two-week injury turned into three seasons and a, a leap year and everything else. <laughs> he missed so much football for that injury. It's unbelievable. Thank you for that, GWS, for being so clear. But Lachlan Keefe omitted. I don't think he'll return unless Jonathan Patton continues to be a spud. 
but that's unlikely <laughs> considering his actual skill. Jeremy Finlayson omitted. I mean, leading into their buys, played a lot of footy for a, a first-year player. I think he'll come back in in the next week or so. And Isaac Cumming just didn't really live up to it, did he? He, he had he had a few disposals in this first week. Play, actually played decently. I think he put out like a 62 in Supercoach. But just the 16 last week, uh, tough conditions. They got flogged. They were going to make omissions and unfortunately coming someone to go. Clark, on the other hand, um, Chizo, I've got to ask you about this. He had a bad game. He was camped up in the forward pocket all game. He didn't have a great performance, especially compared to his lofty VFL standards. But one game and omitted, is that is that really fair for Clark? I'm a little bit surprised that he's gone out straight away. Well, I'd like to quantify the comment that he had a bad game. He was parked in the forward pocket basically the whole game. Do you think that's where he's been racking up those numbers in the VFL? Of course not. He's been playing through the guts as a ball-winning inside midfielder. It's it's similar to what we saw with Darcy Paris last year where he spent his first year running through the guts doing what he did um, for Vic Metro, just racking up touches. And then they stuck him in the forward line. He was just a little bit tentative and didn't really know what he was doing. Obviously, being a first gamer, they're just not going to throw him into the centre against the likes of you know Joel Selwood and Paddy Dangefield and these big bodies that can knock him around. But it's taking him away from his what he's good at. And so even though he was parked up forward, he still applied elite pressure and had five tackles, which is also what he does in the VFL. So when you're trying to quantify if he had a bad game, he didn't have a bad game. He just played the wrong role for his skills but he was still able to apply pressure, and that shows effort, it shows intent, and it shows exactly what you want from a, uh, a first-game player, that if they can do that, you know, that's five, that's six weeks' worth of tackles for Joe Danaher in the forward line. So um, I've got absolutely no dramas if Dylan Clark got a second game. Obviously, someone has to come out for the talent of Andy McGrath. You'd think with um, the, you'd think with the the position that Dylan Clark plays um, as like a, a a forward roaming into the midfield, Andy McGrath's probably a, like a like for like because they play a similar sort of role. I think there's a I think there's other players that should have been on the, the chopping block beforehand that are just underperforming. Jordan really obviously keeps his position because he plays a completely different role. However, I could have argued that Andy McGrath comes in for Jordan Ridley because, you know, he spent his first season across that half back line and could play that role even, you know, just as well as Jordan, if not better. So um, it, it was pretty much a toss of the coin from that side of things. It's just how they want to structure up. I still think that Essendon need more ball winning inside midfielders. And so I would have given Dylan Clark a bit more of a run. Yeah, definitely. And I think. When I said bad game, not, by no fault of his own, uh, when you get thrown into a side, they're, they're smashing one of the, the better sides in the comp, and the ball is just not getting to you. At, in a position that, like you said, he doesn't he, he hasn't been excelling in um, due to the fact that he's been so heavily in the midfield in the VFL. I think he's a little bit harsh to, to go out straight out, and maybe a little bit harsh to not receive more midfield time and actually get given... A strong go, but hopefully we see him later in the season when we need to make another downgrade. Now, the next game, Hawthorne versus West Coast Eagles. A lot of ins, obviously, in both these with the extended benches here. We got Frawley, O'Meara, Jonathan Segler, Connor Glass, Will Lankford, and Ryan Shawmakers all in for Hawthorne. Caden Brand and Warple have already been omitted, so they've confirmed those outs already. 
And then on the West Coast side, we've got Brander, Jackson Nelson, Braden Ainsworth, and Matthew Allen coming in. A couple of new players there. Unlikely to play unless, Chizo Elliot Yo is a late out. So that would be a cherry on a very, very bitter cake, I think. Well, what do you think of the chances of Elliot Yo coming out? Because I've spent most of the week thinking it was a bit of a stinger. He came back and played the rest of the game and absolutely excelled. So you can't play that sort of uh, that sort of football and be that good if you've got a serious injury. So uh, for me, I've got no dramas that Elliot Yo is going to play. The one thing that you'd probably mention is that he does have to travel and whether that impacts something. Are you going to get sore sitting in a seat for six hours? I'm not sure. I put the percentage, Chizo, of a late out for Elliot Yo at 62%. All right. Well, we'll hold you hold you to that. I think if he flies, he plays. That's it. Like uh, we saw that the other week uh, with Jeremy McGovern. If he wasn't going to attend, well, I think we said on the podcast, if he doesn't catch the plane, he doesn't play. He didn't catch the plane, he didn't play. But it's one of those things, if they take Elliot Yo, they're not going to fly him all that way for him not to play. So I'm not worried about him at this stage. Uh, it is nice to see that even though the Eagles are playing so well, they are um, potentially bringing in a few players, uh, even if they're coming as an emergency, just to get a little bit of the, a feel of um, AFL environment. Jared Brand has got some uh, fantastic skills behind him. He was one of the best uh, players in the draft last year as a, uh, a defense and forward um, skilled player. He's got a, a good skill set, um, and uh, it would be Really good to see him get a few games in uh, in 2018, but I'm not sure with them playing this well, he'll be able to break in. Um, we'll jump into the next game here, JB. Frio and North Melbourne. This is the one I'm worried about because um, you don't really you, you think that at Optus Stadium the likes of Nat Fife is just going to go crazy, but um, what can uh, uh, what can Benny Jacobs do to him? Uh, ins on outs on either side. We've got Stephen Hill, Daniel Pierce, Shane Kirsten, Tommy Sheridan, and Stefan Giro uh, coming in. Extended benches, obviously the Sunday game. And uh, Mitchie Crowden is omitted after his pathetic score last week. On the uh, <laughs> north side of things, Taylor Garner, Nathan Rovat, uh, LDU, Sam Durden, and Cameron Zerha with Majak Door rested after his 10-meter uh, burst in one of the plays at some point. I'm assuming he did something. Um, <laughs> extended benches again on both sides. Why? What do we think about the uh, Fife versus Jacobs uh, matchup? Because there's absolutely no hesitation that that's what Scott will do. As soon as Jacobs goes to Fife, I think Fife will go forward almost straight away. In in general play, he won't start forward. I think in general play, he'll roam forward and try and get a couple of one-on-ones with him. And worst case scenario, if Jacobs is cooey to it, if North Melbourne are cooey to it, Jacobs will go over to Lockie Neal and someone will mark, uh, someone else like Scott Thompson will mark Fife up forward. I think it'll be a tough game for Fife, but he's just too strong to be tagged, isn't he? I mean, like it's it's. I mean, we saw Jacobs tag Dustin Martin, who we consider one of the strongest in the league, especially when you think about the don't argue and and all the tricks he has in his bag. But Fife to me just screen his aerial prowess and his just pure strength of getting the ball and somehow getting it out, like Patrick Cripps. Well, Patrick Cripps is like him because Fife came first. But I, I think Fife will be limited maybe to a one ten, but I don't think he'll get held below the ton. I think he's still a safe option to go triple figures, but I wouldn't go near him with the captaincy, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I'm I'm severely concerned about what score he can he can put out this week. The only thing that kind of um, really gives credence to the fact he might have a good game is that he absolutely smashes the new deck at Optus Stadium. So he's had a, a fantastic 2018 opening to the new home ground. So that's one thing that could kind of counteract the tag. But we've seen um, Ben Jacobs, you know, keep some of the best players in the game this year. We're looking at a Titch, we're looking at a Dusty to less than 20 touches um, in the time that he's spent on him. So just keep that in mind. It's going to be uh, interesting. It could be the perfect week to uh, either upgrade or downgrade an Andrew Brayshaw this week, JB. He's projected to uh, make 400 bucks. So he's topped out. He's uh, he's pretty much done. It's been a slow burn, but uh, at the price he's at, you know, 75K, that's looking like all we're going to get out of him he he's just not you know he's had nine games and he's not put up those 80s and 90s we saw in the preseason so i think it's time to cut our uh cut ties with him and uh, ed phillips this week is a really good downgrade option yeah i mean in in uh Brayshaw's defense it only takes one good score and he's not really going to lose any money scoring 60 every single week on the dot pretty much he's going to maintain play through the first couple of buys, and if he does just so happen to put out a 70 or an 80, then we're looking at a, a half-decent price rise there. So the next game is the concerning one for me, uh, Chizo. You talk about this one being concerning for you. Melbourne have Dom Tyson, Cam Pedersen, Jaden Hunt, and Jeff Garlett all as ins, obviously with the extended bench, and Adelaide have Luke Brown, Matt Crouch, Wayne Miliera, and Riley O'Brien. So... I pretty much count <clears throat> seven players on those ins, on those extended benches that are good enough to play and will have played a lot in the past. And in this one, we've got Spargo and also uh, the, the Crows man, Lachlan Murphy, on those extended benches. I'm concerned for both of them. Spargo did fail to kick a goal last week, and Murphy, although he was decent, he's really just a, a makeshift player until someone better comes in. So what are your thoughts on those cha- the chances of those two players actually uh, getting a game for their sides? Well, it's why would you change a winning formula? These are the same guys we had on the interchange last week. So um, Bailey Fritch and Charlie Spargo were both named on the interchange last week. They both did their part. Even in a 100-point uh, smashing, they you know someone's going to score well. It just didn't happen to be those guys. So... They, it's not like they played terribly, and in a, a hundred points smashing like that, it's not like you can you can play so bad when your team is playing so well that it forces you to get omitted the next week. So it's not like um, Tyson and Pedersen and these kind of guys are smashing the door down for uh, for a, a selection. So um, my comments uh, mirror similar to what I said last week. I'm I'm fairly comfortable that they should be okay. Um, the best thing would be is just keep an eye on it. Uh, obviously, these teams get verified on, on Friday, late Friday, JV, so at least before lockout, we'll kind of know who's going. Um, Lockie Murphy, on the other hand, that is a little bit worrying. I'm not really sure uh, what to make of that. Obviously, with Matty Crouch coming in, Wayne Miller are coming in with um, being named after that. Um, hamstring injury, both coming back from hamstring injuries, actually. Obviously, Crouch comes in, so someone's got to go out. Wayne Miller is a fantastic talent. First-round draft pick not that long ago. He was playing some really good footy before he did his uh, his hamstring, so that could be at the expense of Lockie Murphy, so I am a little bit worried in that aspect. Um, but again, we'll, we'll just have to wait for teams. Um, and just on what Pistol said last week, a lot of people were trading um, uh, Duday, and 
he said on the podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if he reached his break even this week, and he got there. So for those that held him, well done. He's uh, got a few more dollars left in him to generate. Um, the one thing that we should talk about, um, JB, sorry, mate, I'll throw it over to you in a second. Tom wow. McDonald, he's been playing fantastic since his return from a foot injury. There's obviously been news that he's hurt it again this week. He has been named, but it's in the Northern Territory up in Darwin. Is this a, another Elliot Yo case of if he flies, he plays? Yeah, and the coach said he'll be okay. Although he's getting scans and, and Goodwin said it was, to quote him, concerning, I don't think there's a lot of, uh, a, a high percentage chance of him missing out this week. Although I do think it'll be much tougher going considering the, the past opponents he's had have been very, very, uh, let's say, low on the ladder. That's That's the best way to say it. So he's had a bit of a he's had a good go recently, a, a good run of form. Let's see how he goes against one of the premier clubs in the competition. And and another talking point, Timothy Smith plays his second game this week, or second game of the year. I think he played a couple last year and was awful. But playing at full forward, he's already listed at full forward, so he will not be dropped. Someone to to look at, but I wouldn't be jumping early. He did score ninety one last week, but he would almost have to do that most weeks to to keep the players such as Pedersen and and all those other uh, forward line players that they've got just sitting in the VFL there out of the side. So um, I think Tim Smith, a bit of a risky risky punt, but yeah, not at least he's named it full forward. He will he will keep his spot this week. He'll keep his spot, but I don't think the likelihood of anyone having him right now would be overly high, um, and not not someone that I think we should spend too much uh, considering because there's a, a few different options that are probably better than him at this stage. Uh, we should probably also mention this is the first week where we have teams missing the buys here, JB. Obviously, your side were victorious in uh, Shanghai, so the Suns and the Port Adelaide power are missing this week, mate. So that only gives us eight games of footy to watch. Uh, I think you might be uh, scratching your skin there a little bit, just feeling a little bit itchy, just uh, missing on that little bit of football this weekend. Well, I can tell you what, Chizo. Port will not lose this week. <laughs> I think, thankfully, the Suns, they won't either. Uh, I don't know. They, they might find a way, but Port definitely won't lose this week. And uh, it's uh, another thing that I do want to touch on, obviously being round 10, we're only two weeks away from the first buy round. It is really important to keep this in consideration when you're doing your trades this week, JB, because obviously round 12, the first uh, multi-buy round, we should say, where we only have to take 18 on field, counting towards our score. Carlton, Hawthorne, West Coast Eagles, and the Bulldogs uh, will be missing the first round, JB. It, could we potentially be bringing someone in only for two weeks for um, them to sit on our bench again? Is that something that you're worried about? Or if you're ready to upgrade to someone like a Yo or a Titch or a, a McRae, just grab them because you're going to have to play a rookie in these multi-buy rounds at some point. It may be for someone that scores you good points two rounds prior. If I was going to do it with anyone, it probably would be one of those players in the in the weeks come, uh, in that first buy week because... If you have a look at your side, um, obviously you named the teams earlier, there's only maybe one to two premiums max per team that you would actually be considering. So they're just not very strong teams premium with premiums, and that also has the least amount of um, the uh, teams having the buy round due to Port and Gold Coast having it this week. So the two teams down and the teams actually don't have as many premiums on. So chances are that's the week where you have the most players playing regardless and you might not even have to play more than two or three rookie scores as it is. So 
I wouldn't be too concerned trading in around 12 players, but you, you do have to consider getting them in after their buy gives you those, obviously, those two weeks where they don't miss it. It's it's hard. At this point, it's hard to, to really do anything. So I just consider my buy structures, make sure I'm not stuffing things up too much. And I mean, like I'll, I'll be getting Franklin next week, probably Walters the week after. Their buy is only a couple of weeks after that, but they're just too cheap to ignore. So um, you, you do have to weigh it up, but I wouldn't be structuring my whole entire trade strategy around who's having the buy soonest. Yeah, I, I really like that answer, mate. And obviously... Just to, uh, I, I guess, talk about that a little bit further, we, we see a lot of Supercoach relevant players in the later buy rounds, particularly round 14. Not only that, but there's more teams on that buy round. So if you find someone in round 12 that you like, because you're more likely going to have cover for them with only four um, missing that week, I, I think that's a great, a great option to try and jump on because then you have them to cover the hard weeks in round 13 or round 14 where a lot of us have Supercoach relevant players. So... Um, I really like that plan, JB. Hey, uh, we should probably cover uh, the likes uh, of players that are missing this week. We're looking at the likes of uh, potentially um, uh, a Sam Murray and a Jeremy Finlayson. What is your... Uh, what are you planning to do this week? Because I know you're in a situation that's going to be really helpful to assess right now. If we uh, uh, just look at the back line... Are you going to be forced to bring someone in early or do you have the cash to kind of upgrade these guys? What would you be doing? Well, I mean, at the moment, that's what I'm weighing up as I have my trade set in and it was a a trade to get in Ed Phillips and also a trade to go early on someone like Ridley or Rice. Now, I'm still going to make that defensive, the defender trade, but I might have to make two. I do have Murray, Finlayson and Norton still sitting there. Uh, Norton will get traded regardless. And then Murphy as well, who I think is at best 50-50 to play. So if Mur- Murphy does go out, I will be forced to to get a defender, another defender in. Now, whether I should go up or down is difficult because my, my, stru- my trade structure that I've worked out is very, very specific uh, as to what players are going to be getting. So Franklin next week, Walters the week after, probably Robbie Gray the week after that. So they're all forward upgrades. They're all very, uh, will be very generous in price when I do get them in. And defensive upgrades, there aren't really many that I'm looking at. So I got in a Lloyd last week for the the big score and I was going to just sit on my defense until Elliot Yo came to his buy round. So it does make it difficult, but I mean, worst case scenario for me, I replace Finlayson and Murray on field with Rice and Ridley per se. So... I'm not losing too many points, but I am going very risky in the players I'm trading in. So I think, fingers crossed, Murphy plays, and I'm probably not going to play with any defensive backup, but thankfully I don't have Yo, who's a apparent 63% to go out this week. <laughs> and uh, I think we should probably talk about the Ridley versus Rice debate because there are going to be play, uh, coaches out there that you know have four potential donuts in their back line this week, only have 4K remaining salary, JB, and they are potentially forced to bring in a rookie early in that back line. If we're looking between the likes of a Rice and a Ridley here, mate, who would you be going early on for those that are forced to do something we, we just really don't like doing? Well, when you talk about going early on someone, there's only one thing that you really want to nail, and that's job security. You don't want to be stuck with a, a for example, uh, what was that, Brett Eddy last year, where we got him in, we started him, 
Um, obviously, you're going early on everyone at the beginning of the year because no one's played two games, etc. But um, we got him in, and then he sat on our bench for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. There was a, a case with a Gold Coast player. I think he was bottom price a, f- a couple of years ago. If someone could tweet this player at me, because I remember it vividly, he scored, I think, 90-odd in the first week. Everyone jumped early on him, or a lot of people did, and then he got injured in the second week, did not play again. So this was like mid-year, and he was just sitting in there as a donor at 102k for the rest of the season. The only way you could get rid of him was by actually upgrading him. So we don't want to be stuck with that. So when you look at job security, I, I see Rice as the most likely to hold his spot. Hurley hasn't come in this week, so that would have been a good tester for Ridley. But with that being inevitable in the next week, it's very difficult to back Ridley in to say he's 100% going to be playing in a fortnight's time. So as much as I rate him, as much as I like the kid, I don't think he's a certainty. Whereas I think Rice, uh, with you've seen the players that are going out, the injuries that they have, uh, and with Robertson and uh, just so many backline injuries at the moment, I think it's safe to say Rice will be playing this time in a fortnight. So that's the thought process they might I mean Ridley might play every week and make a lot more money but when talking about going early you have to go safe yeah I I agree with that one there mate obviously uh, on Twitter this week we had Fantasy Freako coming out from Champion Data saying um, if you were looking at going early on either a Ridley or a Rice Bailey Rice had a team high eight intercept possessions last week, which um, is showing his importance to the team, his ability to help their rebound by intercepting. And with the injuries that they ha- that, that the Saints have had this year, obviously Caulfield being managed this week, Nathan Brown out injured. Even with Jake Carlisle coming back, Bailey Rice has still kept his uh, his place in the side and he has been playing very well in the VFL. Potentially, uh, we could see both of them not sticking around in a fortnight, but if you're forced to do that in that situation, I'd be picking Bailey Rice. It would have been nice to have Isaac coming to choose from as well, JB, but I still think we would have picked Bailey Rice in that situation. So I think that sums it up really well. And uh, if you're forced to do that in that situation, um, I think that's the, the best way uh, to make a uh, something good out of a, a tough situation. I'd like to touch on some key upgrade targets here, JB. You know me, I always like to uh, chase after some fallen premiums. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen the likes of Jake Lloyd bounce back after losing a bit of cash. Uh, but if we're looking into the midfield, there are a few really, really good uh, um, bargains, you could say, coming through there. We've got even Paddy Dangerfield this week. Um, he's got a break-even 112, and he's averaging 115. So at 602,000, JB, it's about the cheapest we're going to find, Paddy Jamesfield. If you don't already have him, do you just snap him up? Yes. Yep, pretty simply. Uh, We should talk (laughs) about um, uh, someone in the forward line. Even though Lance Franklin has a break-even of 136, we have seen his most recent scores against the next four teams have been uh, pretty off the charts. 491K, and there's even a uh, a Michael Walters, 424K. Again, he has a break-even of 157. But it's that scoring potential that you really jump on. For the likes of Franklin, Franklin here, JB, just talk us through the thought processes as we're seeing a lot of a lot of coaches trading in Franklin this week, um, even with that high break even. Talk us through why they would be doing that. Because he will probably dominate against, uh, I think, have they got Brisbane this week? Or is it yes. Brisbane? Yep. Brisbane. They will dominate against Brisbane and he might even touch that break even. He might even go over it. So... 
I wouldn't be shocked if either of those happened. I, again, I wouldn't be shocked if you just got 110 and lost a bit of money. But I think it's an educated punt, and especially when you're you're considering Walters will be bottomed out next week. If you have the money to double upgrade next week, they'll both be bottomed out, which is great. But if you've got the money to go for Franklin now and Walters next week, then there's absolutely no harm in doing that. And Buddy actually presents himself as a decent uh, captaincy option this week as well, so or vice-captaincy option because he plays early. But... Yeah, I, I can see the, the justification in going on Buddy early because, like we said, it's Buddy, and if he kicks 10 goals and scores 200, then you're not going to be worried about a break-even, are you? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we've seen a few coaches on uh, on Twitter come out and say, you know, why are you advocating uh, Buddy Franklin when he's got such a high break-even? It's because he can put up those ridiculous scores. He's obviously got Brisbane Lions this week. Next week on the Friday night at the SCG, he has Carlton, who he's torn apart. Uh, I think at the end of last year, he went bananas with a 180 or something like that. He comes up against St. Kilda, who are depleted in the back line and also having a poor year. Um, and then it's not until uh, a Friday night game in round 13 against the Eagles during the buy rounds that he has a, another tough opponent however that is again at the SCG so he does have a fantastic run coming up so uh, uh, that would be the explanation for those that are wondering why um, he, people are advocating jumping on Buddy this week even with a high break even JB Okay, mate, that uh, but pretty much uh, wraps up most of the things on the podcast. I do want to talk about some captaincy options. Uh, I'll let us uh, let you go through Lahug's options this week because he's uh, been a godsend for me because this year I just cannot pick a captaincy or a vice-captaincy to save my life. So uh, his article has been a, a great read every week. Yeah, so I've got early access to his article, uh, as per usual. Top three vice-captaincy options he has here is the very obvious Jack McRae, which... Um, if you have Jack McRae and you're not vice-captaining him, then why do you have him? <laughs> he's, he's scoring 160-plus most weeks. In Although he'll get the tag this week, you cannot risk missing out on one of those big scores, especially considering he'll be the most popular vice-captaincy option this week, I assume. Franklin being number two, as we spoke about just before there. Bontempelli being number three, so a bit of a point of difference one there from La Hague. If you don't have Bontempelli, he has also recommended the Brody Grundies and the uh, Patrick Dangerfield, quite obviously, prediction of 120 there. Cripps and even Josh Kelly. So um, there's obviously a lot of a lot of talent playing early in the round this week. And then backed up with the captaincy options of Max Gorn, Tom Mitchell, and Dangerfield being 1, 2, and 3. So Gorn being ever-reliable, although he did have a... Not an average three quarters. He had a normal three quarters, but he started off with a 45 last week in the first quarter. And then Tom Mitchell getting back to his best last week with a decent matchup again this week. So um, I, there's not a lot you can go wrong with. I think everyone will be getting good captaincy scores this week. Uh, oh, wow, I almost got <laughs> Pistol is on both of our lips this, this uh, night. Usually that's only on a Saturday night that that happens. So <clears throat> yes, uh, Max Gore, number one option for captaincy, and Jackson McRae, number one for vice captaincy. So. Um, I think you're about to uh, almost shut the pod down, which rightfully so after that comment, but I just want to apologize if I did sound croaky at all. I am getting rid of the last bit of my cold, so uh, almost there, and I should be fine for next week's podcast. I'll be up and about again. It's going to be nice not having to spend two and a half hours after podcast uh, (laughs) muting every time you want to sit. You know, just kind of like point away from the mic so that it's not going to blow off my ears when I'm trying to edit it. (laughs) Hey, mate, it's been fantastic having on. It's pretty much uh, bringing the podcast to a close. 
I do want to touch on a bit more of a serious topic here, mate. Uh, obviously, Dane Beams stepping stepping down uh, during the week as Lions captain. I'm so proud that we're in a you know a time where someone of his uh, magnitude is able to come out and um, do the brave thing that is not you know hiding mental illness. And having people that I know that have suffered from it and have lost friends to mental illness, I know the impact that it can have. Um, so I'd just like to extend an olive branch to anyone there that is suffering from uh, depression or uh, is not in the right state of mind to uh, find someone like uh, a Beyond Blue or a Lifeline because it is uh, a fantastic opportunity to try and you know take control of your life again. And you know I tweeted out during the week that. Dane Beams, you know, he's stepping up by stepping down and it's not a show of not being a strong enough leader. It's showing that he is a fantastic leader and a role model for those. Um, Particularly, we're seeing a lot of of AFL players, particularly the young guys suffering with mental illness and taking extended personal leave. So um, I'd just like to extend that olive branch. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm really proud with the situation and how it's outcome, how he's handled himself and the way that the Brisbane Lions are progressing forward. And I hope everything for the best for Dane Beam so that he can recover and find his love for the game again, JB. Yeah, and uh, sorry, I will interject there. Dane Beam's being one of my favourite players uh, before any <clears throat> any move to Brisbane or any anything in the last few years. He's only elevated his stature in my favourite players list. Uh, I loved him as a player. And it's easy to love someone as a player when they're a great bloke as well. So um, as well as the, the olive branch that used to extended to Beyond Blue and uh, the other third parties, uh, even a family member or a friend, we all have <clears throat> we all have somewhere to go. So you're never alone. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, great to see someone like Beams, although it's unfortunate circumstances, to, um, to really just be the bigger man and, and do what's right for the, the club and... Yeah, hopefully he comes back from it, comes back to captain his club and is in our super coach sides in a year when he's not made of paper. So, <laughs> well, well, we'll put it this way, JB. There's no way I'd still be playing um, super coach in 2018 if I didn't get to chat to you and just have that little mental break during the season every week where we uh, we get to sit down and talk super coach and uh, just gives me a little bit of a perk up late in the week when work's dragging on. So uh, it always helps to talk, mate. Um, Really appreciate having you on the podcast here, mate. It's uh, great to hear your voice. And uh, it looks like that f- things are turning around for both of us. We finally get some players on the field. You get Josh Kelly back. It could be a good week. My defense is depleted, so I'm still upset. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, it's good. it's good to get that premium back. I've been a premium down every single week this year, except this round. So this is the first round I will actually not be a premium down. And I might, uh, might jump up from about 400k, in which I'm ranked right now, so... Uh, my my current uh, game plan is just to beat my round one score at some point in 2018 because I haven't done that I haven't done that in the eight rounds since so maybe round ten is the time where I score more than 2300 so uh, JB fantastic having you on community thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you all soon. <laughs>